Hello and welcome to PW KidsCast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Patrick Jennings, the author of more than 20 children's books, including the Guinea Dog series, Odd, Weird, and Little, My Homework Ate My Homework, and many more. In August, Jennings' Guinea Dog 3 was published by Egmont USA, which is sponsoring this podcast. The Guinea Dog series follows the continuing adventures of a boy named Rufus and his pet guinea pig, Fido, who behaves like a dog. In this third installment, Rufus and his family head out for their annual vacation at the unfortunately named White Crappy Lake, but Rufus is furious to learn that his mother has invited some of his less-than-favorite classmates and their families along for the trip. Patrick, thank you for speaking with me. Thank you. Nice to talk with you. So aside from your Ike and Mem books, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is your, your only series so far. Um, has it been fun to sort of play around in the world of the guinea dog books and kind of dream up other animals that these guinea pigs are sort of might be able to act like? It has been. Uh, it wasn't planned as a series. Uh, I wrote the first book and the response was so positive from kids and um, that they started kind of demanding a second one. And eventually my publisher invited me to do a second one. And so, yes, at that point, there were lots of decisions we could make. You know, they, it could just be the continued story of Rufus and Fido and their various adventures together. But I had the, the idea that um, maybe each time a new animal would be introduced, another guinea pig that acted in a strange way. And so, yeah, that kind of let my imagination fly a bit. So are the, the guinea dog books the ones you uh, feel like you hear the most from your readers about? Oh, recently, yeah. Uh, of the recent books that I've done for Egmont, um, the guinea dog one, yeah, it definitely resonated with the kids the most. A lot of it has to do with the fact that kids have dogs. And as it turns out, lots of kids have guinea pigs, too. And actually, I hear from a lot of kids who have both. So, I, you know, I've covered a lot of ground in that, in that respect. It's sort of a built-in audience, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And any of those uh, guinea pig-owning kids uh, recognizing similar behaviors to Fido with their own pets, or not so much? A lot of them. A lot of them try to convince me, yeah, that that's true. That they have guinea dogs at home, <laughs> and they tell me about you know different different behaviors that they've witnessed with their with their guinea pigs. So now, are there more guinea dog books in the works? Do you have a sort of overall plan for the series at this point? I don't. We're still kind of going book to book with that series. You know, we we did three and we're kind of waiting to see, you know, what comes of that. I, I don't actually have a new story lined up, no. With these books, I feel like uh, Rufus's interactions with his parents are especially funny. Um, have you found, found yourself uh, kind of mining your own family experiences as inspiration to fuel any of those scenes? Yeah, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that, that dad, when I created him, I was, you know, writing in my room a lot and, um, you know, I have a daughter and I have cats and I was being irritated. You know, I got irritated and I was one of those guys who would say like, you know, this plastic container goes in the recycling, not in the garbage and (laughs) things like that. It was very easy for me to come up with three pages of reasons why Rufus couldn't have a dog, for example. And in fact, it was very important to me that it went on for three pages, but it wasn't difficult at all for me to, to fill them. I could think of lots of reasons why I wouldn't want to have a dog. <laughs> um, so you're the one grilling mushrooms on the family vacation, then I take it? <laughs> yeah, that would probably be me. So now you also had a, a book come out earlier this year, um, Odd, Weird, and Little, which I thought was very uh-huh. funny and a clever conceit there, too. What, what is your typical output like these days as far as the books you're doing? 
Um, I don't know what would really be typical. Um, the idea with working, since I've been working with Egmont, is that I would focus more on a certain type of book that I started writing in the beginning of my career, which are stories for third, fourth graders, fifth graders, in which there's an animal, but the animal is is special in some way. And um, actually, I started writing for a magazine, StoryWorks magazine, years ago, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. They asked me for a, a funny animal story after having read uh, Faith in the Electric Dogs, which was my first book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had this idea of a, I had this picture book idea about a boy who really wanted a dog and his mom brought home a cat, uh, which was based actually on this cat I had that acted very dog-like. And I put it away for a while. And then when this person called me from the magazine and said, do you have any short stories about, you know, funny, funny animal stories? I I pulled that out and looked at it again, and I thought if I were to write it for middle graders, um, I should make it. I should bump it up a little bit, and make it even funnier. And so I, ter- I turned it into a, a guinea pig, and I wrote a short story based on that. It was published in Scholastic's StoryWorks magazine, and then I ended up doing several other stories for them. One about a, a psychic cicada, you know, uh, who helps a little girl with her test taking and anxiety by kind of chirping out whether she's got the answer right. And um, I did my homework, gave my homework, which became a book uh, about a, a girl who has to babysit the class uh, ferret and it eats her homework. My homework, gave my homework. And, and, um, and Oddward and Little was one of those. Oddward and Little is a story I started years ago, um, six or seven years ago, I suppose. And it was a pet project of mine for a, for a long time. I had submitted it in a, in a bunch of different ways, um, hoping that I could write a whole book based on it. It was. Um, it's a little different than the other books because it, it's fairly absurd. I mean, it is absurd that a guinea pig, you know, catches a frisbee. I suppose. I, mm-hmm. is, I, I <laughs> in a difference, yeah. <laughs> Aside from what you were reading as a child, do you do you also feel very connected to your own middle school years even now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember um, being a very fanciful kid. Uh, you know, very. I wondered about everything, and I would lay in fields and look at clouds, which turned up in my book, The Beastly Arms. And, um, yeah, I was a very creative, I, it was a good time. Those were my, like my really good years. I felt like I was good at all the really important stuff. You know, I was good at schoolwork, math and all that, but I was also excellent at dodgeball, which was really important. And I was excellent at tetherball, all these, you know, important life skills. And I just felt like on the top of my game. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was even starting to like, like girls and it seemed like they kind of liked me back and I was a bit of the class clown and I was drawing pictures and it was just it was a good time and I I wonder if that's true for for most writers I wonder if the young young adult authors you know have a really distinct pristine memories of their teen years like I do of my middle grade years mm-hmm. or I don't know how preschool I don't know how preschool picture book writers work <laughs> um, so now is writing your full-time occupation at this point it is. Yeah, it is. I, I do a lot of school visits, too. And I actually have a writing group here in my um, house. I have local kids come over and they just sit and write whatever they want. And, and then I kind of act as, you know, mentor, editor. And they write long fiction. They write novels and such. Mm-hmm. They're 11, 12 years old. Hmm. My, my age, you know, my group. My people, right? <laughs> and um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, your first book, uh, "Faith in Electric Dogs," I think came back came out in about 1996. Um, yeah. When you when you did sit down to write that, had you been thinking about you know wanting to write for a while? How did you sort of come to where did that first book come from, and how did you decide you know I want to make a stab at writing? This is what I want to do. 
Well, I had I had been writing all my life, but I didn't really know what form I wanted to, to take. Um, I, I wrote some. I wrote a screenplay in film school. I wrote film reviews. I wrote a lot of essays, a lot of short stories for adults. Uh, but I wasn't very satisfied with it. It wasn't until I started teaching. I, I took a job as a preschool teacher and started reading picture books to kids, which led me to getting getting out all of those books that I loved as a kid and started reading them back. And that was when I, I thought, you know, Eureka! That kind of a, I was sitting in a dentist's office, I think, waiting for my turn, and someone had left a copy of James and the Giant Peach um, in the waiting room, and I picked it up and started reading it and had that, you know, Eureka! <laughs> this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And... Uh, had this idea for a dog story, and you know, because you've been doing you know this for some time, have you noticed? You, you mentioned getting out there with kids. I think you said you've also done uh, Skype interviews, things like that. Have you noticed your interactions with kids um, sort of changing over the years? Um, do you, do you find your classroom visits now to be a different animal than they were, say, ten years ago or so? Well, I guess the Skype visits are different. I, I tell you, what's really different. The kids are very different from when I was. From my golden age, mm-hmm. I was I was ten in like the early seventies or something. They have writers workshop, you know. They I remember the first time a third grader asked me, you know, in question and answer, he said like, "What's your favorite genre?" You know, and I thought, do they teach French literary theory at this <laughs> school in third grade or French or whatever genre? And he mm-hmm. said it so probably too. And this was a while ago. This year, I'm sure it was at least like. 10 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. um they're different they they write they they do rough draft they revise they uh they have peer review they publish you know they just they really understand it and they work really hard at, at like word choice all kinds of stuff so i love going out to the schools now because the teachers have these really clear things that they they're talking about and they would love me to join in a lot of times the kids maybe have published a book and i'll get and they'll ask me to sign their books um, you know, they've done books during the year. And so what, I guess what I'm saying is that uh, the way that they teach writing now is very, very different. And they're grooming them really to see themselves as authors at a very young age, which is pretty exciting and a little threatening, too. <laughs> You're like, don't get there too quickly. <laughs> We're not yeah. ceding any territory just yet. Um, I think Flannery O'Connor said that about, she was asked once, like, do, does, are writers discouraged in college? And she said, you know, not enough. <laughs> Sometimes feel like that. You, they're getting a little too good. Like some of the writers in my group are just, just too good. They're prodigious. You know, they're they're, they're too talented. It galls me. Uh, you also did a speaking of the sort of changes that have come along with uh, the sort of explosion of the internet and that sort of thing. Uh, you did a, a guinea dog uh, e novella, I believe, recently. Uh, how was, how was yeah. that as a sort of digital experiment? You know, it was a short story. That's what it was. You know, it's just going back to the short story form that I did in the magazine. And um, and they asked me to do that. I thought it was kind of fun. I, I didn't know. I don't know if kids do that. I don't know if they uh, download little short stories on their on their tablets and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't really have that much experience yet um, seeing kids reading on tablets. I, I don't know if it happens mostly in school or, or what, but um, I still find that kids love their books um their little trophies or or in the case of like you know harry potter they're like giant trophies like like doorstop trophies they carry around and you know that they've they just love that they've read them and 
they, they, I think they love books more than adults do at this point. And, and they have that great pleasure of reading that I had when I was a kid, so that when an author shows up, they treat you like a rock star, you know, and they want to know everything that you do, and they want their auto, your autograph. And, and, and so I can relate to them because I kind of feel the same way when I'm there. I'm kind of getting this real rush out of being um, kind of a, you know, the person who creates the stories that excites them so much. Yeah, they always seemed like such distant sort of mythical figures, like you didn't think they were actually real people. Uh, I, I think that's maybe changed a lot with the internet as well. It, it's completely changed. It's something I'm really having to adapt to. Uh, I remember as a kid, you know, Beverly Cleary was probably my favorite author. And to me, it was just like a name on paper, you know, uh, like a creator, like God or something. You know, it wasn't like a real person that they all lived somewhere, to, you know, in the same town or something. All the famous people, the rock stars and the writers and everybody. <laughs> and so now, now it, it doesn't feel like that at all. We all feel so accessible. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I had this idea when I started writing that I would be this secluded person. You know, I'd write my stories and I'd go out and visit kids. And But it's much different now with, you know, the social media and everything. Sure. I'm still a little bit, I have a foot, you know, in each, on each camp on that as far as that goes. I'm not really sure how to play that part. I'm not sure I really want to play that part. I feel like if, the more I do it, the less mystery I have. And yet when I go out into schools and kids help me with all these questions, I realize that they actually do want to know a lot um, about the authors of their books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that they really uh, you know, look up to them, admire them, and are in, really interested in them. And that, I can see the value in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe your, uh, your next book, uh, Hissy Fits, is out in uh, January. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, <laughs> I was in Michigan. Uh, I was visiting a school in Bloomfield, Michigan, and I and we were doing a writing uh, workshop exercise, and we were creating a character, and then like uh, creating an obstacle for the character, you know, to get what they wanted. A very simple kind of exercise. Um, that's how I usually focus it, you know. And, and to me, in stories, a character really desires something very much, but it's very important that they can't have it. And, and in kids' stories, a lot of times they forget that sort of element. And so um, but they had come up with this cat as, as, the, main, as the main character. And then um, I said, well, okay, so what does it want? And, you know, what's in the way? And somebody said, it's insomniac. <laughs> and, you know, these are like fourth and fifth graders. I was so impressed by the word, using the adjective of the word, you know. It's insomniac insomniac cat and I said oh and, and then what are the obstacles why can't it get to sleep and they and they you know they came up with a bunch of reasons what was keeping the cat up and I said well how then will it get what it wants and somebody one of the kids said it'll get a life coach <laughs> <laughs> I thought wow these are these are a sad this is a savvy group of people <laughs> somebody else suggested Tai Chi mm-hmm and so I start. I, I love the idea, and I actually wrote it down. I said I might write a book about this, and if and if I do, I'll make sure I mention you in the book. And I have. I did mention them in the book. Excellent. And then you mentioned the uh, the other series you're working on. Are there other sort of ideas you're toying with, or either getting ideas from kids about? I always do get ideas for kids, and a lot of times they've helped me with titles and things too. I try not to make it too much of like a focus group or something when I go out and talk to them. A lot of times it's just um, they'll say something that will ins- inspire me. Most of my ideas, I guess, come from myself. But with this idea of, uh, of going to a pet store and wanting one thing and getting something else or something that satisfies the same desire, they have gotten me to think a little bit more out of the box, you know. 
because I keep thinking of like, you know, a dog that act, a guinea pig that acts like a dog or in this, in the case of the first book in the Potopia series, a rabbit that acts like a parrot, you know, it, it talks and it flies. And, um, they're, they're thinking, you know, unicorns and, uh, and those kinds of things, you know, more myth, you know, mythical characters that they wish that they had. Hmm. And so, and you know, that opened up a, another door for me. Sometimes that, that's, that's what I get from them the most is that, and if I've changed over the years, I think that has to do with it is that I have to fight a little bit more to be imaginative. I have to stop being the adult and the very, uh, you know, task oriented, very reasonable, logical, and, and become more playful and imaginative and find a space where I can do that. And going out and meeting with them, I'm just taking notes left and right because they're so unbelievably imaginative. It takes my breath away. Isn't it funny that, that all of the children's books are always written by adults? I, I think that I've always found that to be very amusing. And that because we're adults, we tend to focus on our own childhoods. And so sometimes the books feel a little dated and, um, and they can't help but seeming to be loaded with ideology or something. You know, like even though we try not to teach lessons, they tend to come through anyway. When I read kids' books, they're totally different. They, they get the adult world completely wrong. Because they're 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 operating almost solely on imagination. Hmm. Well, uh, congratulations again on the new book, and uh, thank you again for speaking with me. Oh, sure, sure, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Once again, I've been speaking with Patrick Jennings, whose novel Guinea Dog Three is just out from Egmont, USA. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. Mm-hmm.